Okay, we are in 2 Kings, continuing on. We're gonna, we, we didn't finish the very end of chapter 14, so we're going we're gonna to hit that really quick and move into 15. Uh, let me just say this, though. I'm trying to finish 2 Kings kind of around the same time we finish Acts in the morning. Not quite sure we're going to do it on Sunday nights, but what we're going to do is we're going to flip-flop the services. So on Sunday nights, we're going to be going into Romans. We've been in the Old Testament a long time, so we're going to move over into Romans and go through that. And then on Sunday morning, we're going to go into Daniel. So where 2 Kings ends, that's where Daniel picks up. Uh, with uh, that. So we're going to go into that in the morning. Now, if you only come to church at one time during the day, it's fine. You can get online and watch the services or listen that way or whatever the case is. But that's what the plan is as we draw closer to the end of Second Kings. But we've got a lot more kings to go through and a good bit of wickedness. So get ready for that. <laughs> um, so I, there's a theme developing here. Uh, the more wicked they become, And so we're going to see that, uh, but let's go ahead and pray and get into the Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you so much for this time together, uh, this time to study your Word, and Lord, we just ask for you to teach us now. Lord, may we uh, be faithful to hear from you and to be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Uh, So Lord, we ask for you to help us apply it to our lives and be transformed. We thank you so much for your love and your goodness toward us, and we pray all this now in Jesus' name, amen. So we left off with, uh, at the very end of chapter 14, Jeroboam II reigns in Israel. And uh, verse 23 says of chapter 14, In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria. And he reigned 41 years. Now, I want to point this out. Remember, the kingdom is divided. Israel has 10 tribes in the north. And Judah is uh, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin in the south. And so we have these two tribes, uh, or these, uh, this split kingdom, and we're kind of jumping back and forth between Judah and Israel as we overlap. So now we're talking about uh, Jeroboam, the son of Joash. This is actually Jeroboam the second. Remember Jeroboam the first was the very first king of Israel, and he did wicked in the eyes of the Lord. He uh, encouraged Israel in the false form of worship, false worship of God, and uh, set up his own little temple, and it just started a bad trade. And by the way, there's not a single good king in all of Israel's uh, history. All of them do wicked. But uh, so going on to verse 24, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who had made Israel sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. Now, I'm going to pause there for a minute. If you're thinking, hey, is this Jonah, the guy with the great fish that swallowed him or the well? Yes, same Jonah. Uh, So we don't have any other prophecies from Jonah other than the story of Jonah and going to Nineveh. But he was prophesying here in the northern kingdom. So if you want to make a note here, you can say this is where Jonah of the minor prophets, he shows up here at this point in time. And we're going to start seeing more prophets show up in, uh, in the same timeline as some of these kings. So Jonah prophesied this. And so verse 26, for the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter and whether bond or free, 
There was no helper for Israel, and the Lord did not say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. But he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Now, this is uh, really incredible about the character of God. And it's something you should really take note of because Israel is doing evil. And, and they have evil leaders and they're choosing to do evil and they're choosing to reject what God has told them to do and go evil. But we see because God had made a covenant with Israel, even though Israel is breaking that covenant, God still loves his people. So yeah, he will allow disciplinary action to come against them. There's judgment that comes. But we always see that the Lord has compassion upon his people. He sees their cries. And it's just interesting that it says in verse 26, For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, And whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. And that's something we can learn about our God. Our God is a helper. He's a defender. He he is the lover of our souls. And uh, it, it is awesome to know this about God. He is totally just, perfectly just and and it has perfect love for us, so there's no conflict of him in discipline, but also taking care of his people. And he will always bring about that which he says he'll do. So here he is, he gives this message, and he allows Jeroboam to de- be the deliverer for Israel. Now, verse 28, now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, and all that he did, his might, how he made war, and how he recaptured for Israel from Damascus to Hamath, what had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jeroboam rested with his fathers, the kings of Israel. Then Zechariah, his son, raised, reigned in his place. Chapter 15, verse 1. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except that the high places were not removed. Now, if you remember, Amariah is actually another spelling and pronunciation of Uzziah. So this is King Uzziah, and we know that Isaiah's calling, and we'll, we'll look at that in a moment, is uh, at the time of Uzziah's death. And Uzziah reigns 52 years. He's actually a very good king for Israel. He's not a perfect king. And we see already that uh, he had an intention to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, to walk before the Lord, and except he didn't remove the high places. What were the high places? The high places were places where Israel would go to worship uh, they'd worship God falsely, okay? They're not worshiping idols. They're worshiping God, but worshiping him falsely. Because where was the worship of God to, to be done? In the temple, okay? That's where it was to be done. That's where sacrifices were to be made, not in the high places. And so that this critical remark here is that he didn't do that. Now, the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Verse 5, then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in an isolated house. And Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? 
So Azariah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Now, because we have the chronicles of the kings of Judah, there is a lot more to this story uh, about uh, Uzziah or Amariah. Azariah, sorry, Azariah. So flip over to Second Chronicles and go to chapter 25. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 26. Chapter 26. And you can, you can read a little bit about what he does earlier on. We're not going to go into that too much. But basically, Uzziah, when he became king, he, he did a lot of good things for the kingdom. And, and it showed because he reigned for 52 years. God really blessed him. We'll see with Israel, they're going to go through kings really fast coming up here. Uh, I think they go through like five or six kings in 43 years. But um, Uzziah did a lot of good things. He expanded uh, the, the economy. He expanded the military. They were prepared. Uh, he just did many good things for Israel. And, and what he brought about in Israel was a sense of peace and security because he was doing what was right. Uh, it, don't we love that when we have leaders and rep, or representatives who just it, help us feel more secure about who we are, our country, and, and uh, more secure? I mean, that's what, why we represent leaders, uh, representative, why we elect representatives into um, leadership uh, for that very purpose to to uh, be good for our people, right? And so we can we can totally identify with Israel in this place where they had a good king, and they loved the fact that they had a good king, and they were happy to have him. Uh, but look at verse sixteen. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God. By entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. So Uzziah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belonged to the kings, for they said, he is a leper. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place." So Jotham and his son becomes almost a co-regent toward the end of Uzziah's life. Uh, Uzziah reigned from a house separated, and Jotham did the judging, and he still was king. But uh, this transgression against the Lord's temple and his priest, and uh, this trespass that he had committed, 
caused him to be separated from his people. Now, I want to say this, that there are times when the Lord strikes us, and it's not so much for us just to to be in pain or suffering, but it's an opportunity to get our attention. And no one likes to have our attention gotten, but sometimes out of God's mercy for us, he puts us in a place where we're isolated and we can't do any more sin. And that's actually really an act of God's mercy and love on us that we have that opportunity to think about these things. And so Uzziah ended his king, uh, his ruling well, so well that that, um, Isaiah, when we see the call of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, it's kind of a, a, just an awesome idea because there's uncertainty in Israel with Uzziah's death. Uzziah had been such a good king and reigned so long, 52 years, that we see that uh, I, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, if you guys, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 3 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled full of his glory. Now, what's awesome about this passage is so much uncertainty comes with change of leadership. Uh, when a king changes and there's a new king to come, no one knows what's going to happen. And we know by the king's actions, often it would, and we'll see, uh, maybe tonight, we'll see if we get there. Uh, but we'll see by the king's actions, great calamity can come upon the people if the king makes poor choices. If the king chooses to worship idols, if the king chooses to lead his people astray or not govern by the way God has uh, commanded them to govern. Certainly we see that with the kingdom of Israel. So there's so much uncertainty, and as Isaiah is there and caught up in in this vision uh, that he sees the Lord, it's just beautiful that it says, when the king died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. And I want to encourage you, no matter what political turmoil or changes happen, you can say, hey, the Lord is on the throne. No one's dethroning God. So even if I don't like a, a, a representative, if, I, if I'm angry at a governor, a president, a, uh, <laughs> I, was, I remember I was in a, visiting uh, one of our church members who was on his deathbed, and uh, there was this weird uh, occurrence that would happen. They had Fox News on in the room, and he was pretty much not, he was going to die any moment, and, and uh, every time... Nancy Pelosi would come on TV, his heart rate would rise up. And, he, and it was like he was getting almost angry just hearing her voice. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Nancy Pelosi is keeping you alive. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think uh, people realize that we were just torturing him, you know, in the hospital. No. Anyway, it was just real funny. But, you know, even when we have somebody that we don't like representing us, we can know this that the Lord is on the throne. And and more than that, he's on the throne. Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, saw the glory, the the train of his robe filling the temple, this glorious king that was unlike any other king. 
And then he saw the seraphim, these angels. Each one had six wings. With two they covered his face. With two they covered his feet. And with two they flew. And one cried to the another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Boy, sometimes we can forget that. We can be so focused on all the problems, we forget that the Lord is absolutely on the throne and the whole earth is filled with his glory. And so that's a, those are comforting words. So when Uzziah dies, Isaiah is actually called into ministry. And uh, what you'll see is that Isaiah and Micah prophesy uh, with the death of Uzziah in the beginning of Jotham. So you can make a note in your Bible um, with Jotham taking the throne or Uzziah's death. That's when Isaiah's prophecy and Micah's prophecy come to be. And we'll look at Micah in just a moment. All right, so going back over to Kings. Uh, Okay. We, Zechariah, going back over to Israel. So we left Judah. Jotham has taken over for his father Uzziah. And now we're going to jump back over to Zechariah uh, in, in the northern kingdom. Verse 8, in the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel and Samaria six months. So basically Uzziah or Azariah was in their 38th year of reign when Zechariah takes over. He reigned... In Israel, you see that? Six months. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from his sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. Then Shalom, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck and killed him in front of the people, and he reigned in his place. Now, this is how loved this king is. Somebody else, Shalom, can, can show up and murder him right in front of everybody, and everybody's like, all right. This is a loved king, is he not? Probably why he only got six months. Verse 11, the rest of the acts of Zechariah, indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. This was the word of the Lord which he spoke to Jehu, saying, Your sons shall sit uh, on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. And so it was. And so, so ends also that dynasty. Shalom reigns in Israel. Shalom, the son of Jabeth. Jabesh became king in the 39th year of Uzziah. So now Uzziah is in his 39th year. King of Judah, and he reigned a full month in Samaria. For Menahem, the son of Gadi, went up from Tirzah, came to Samaria, and struck Shalom, the son of Jabesh in Samaria, and killed him and reigned in his place. So Shalom killed Zechariah, who had six months, and now he's got one month and he gets murdered. Now the rest of the acts of Shalom and the conspiracy which he led, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Now I just, I like that with this king, Shalom, because if we did have the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel and the rest of his acts were written in there, there wouldn't be many. He was there for a month. It would probably just be his conspiracy and it wouldn't be anything. Uh, So then we go to uh, verse 16. Then from Tirzah, Menahem attacked uh, Tip. Tipsa, all who were there in his territory, because they did not surrender, therefore he attacked it. All the women there who were with child, he ripped open. Pretty great king, is he not? Okay, so we have another murderous, terrible uh, king. Now we go to verse 17. In the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah, 
Manahim, the son of Gadi, became king over Israel and reigned 10 years in Samaria. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all the days from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, who had made Israel sin. Pul, king of Assyria, came against the land, and Menahem gave Pul a thousand talents of silver that his hand might be with him to strengthen the kingdom under his control. And Menahem exacted the money from Israel, from all the very wealthy, from each man 50 shekels of silver, to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land. Now the rest of the acts of Menahem and all that he did are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of Kings of Israel. So Menahem rested with his fathers, then Pekahiah, his son, reigned in the place. Now I want to say this, this is something to mark. This is the beginning of Israel becoming dominated, the northern kingdom becoming dominated by uh, foreign government. So um, if you remember back, God made a promise to Abraham, and that promise actually had land that was allotted to Abraham, and, and God said he would do this. It wasn't conditional, and then he reaffirmed that promise with Solomon during his reign that he would give this land, and what we've seen is that since Solomon, the kingdom was divided, and, and now we're, from this point on, we're going to see that Israel is starting to go towards losing everything altogether, their land. And as soon as the end of 2 Kings happens, we're going to see that Israel has not possessed that land again until 1948. And they still don't fully possess that land. So that is part of the purpose toward the tribulation period and the millennial reign of Christ that eventually... King Jesus, when he established his reign on the throne of David, at his return, will reestablish that land to Israel. And, you know, it was really popular prior to 1948 for people to come up with different ways that uh, this could be worked out spiritually. Uh, like they would say, well, the land was, Solomon had the land for a time, so therefore it was fulfilled. Well, that's not what God said. And then they said, oh, well, it's not talking about a physical kingdom with land borders. It's talking about a spiritual kingdom. And so Jesus didn't have to establish that as his coming, and nor is he going to do that at his second coming. Just got coffee on my iPad. I'm going to drink this. Um, and so, so people started coming up with different theories and ideas of how they can fulfill the biblical prophecy without Israel actually existing. And that was what was so incredible about 1948 and those who witnessed Israel coming back into their land. And then the Six-Day War in the 60s when Israel took back Jerusalem as a result. And uh, I'm not saying that Israel is perfect by any means, uh, but this is all part of the fulfillment toward what God is doing. And prior to 1948, it would have been really easy to say, well, it must have been spiritual or some way, or I just can't understand the prophecy. Then when we get to see it actually fulfilled, you're like, oh. So, and we're still waiting for those borders to be totally fulfilled because Syria is a part of that border area. So we'll see that happen in the future. Uh, and uh, Lord willing, we'll have great seats for it and <laughs> coming back with Jesus. So... Anyway, it'll be pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. No cheap seats anymore. Get the good seats. <laughs> so, 
My coffee is erupting up here, so sorry about that. Okay, so I thank you very much, Corey, for getting me a cup of coffee. Okay, so here we go. Um, so the, we're seeing them start to lose their land. In the 15th year, verse 23, of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekaniah, the son of Menahem, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. Then Pekah, the son of Remaliah, an officer of his, conspired against him and killed him in Samaria, in the citadel of the king's house, along with Argob and Arie, and with him were 50 men of Gilead. He killed him and reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Pekahiah and all that he did, indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Okay, by the way, I spent a lot of time in prep just trying to get all these names right, and then I still don't do it. <laughs> in the 52nd year of Azariah, that's Uzziah, king of Judah, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned 20 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth who had made Israel sin in the days of Pekah, king of Israel. Uh, so, in the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tilgath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came and took Ejon, Abel, Beth, Makkah, Genoah, Kadesh, Hazor, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. Then Hosea, the son of Elah, led a conspiracy, conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Remaliah, uh, and struck and killed him. So he reigned in his place in the 20th year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. So during Pekah's reign, uh, the king of Assyria, Tilgath-Pileser, uh, and by the way, if you love Middle Eastern history, you can find out more about him. Just jump into it. It's fun uh, for some. <laughs> Uh, but Assyria is not Syria, two different nations, so don't confuse those. There's Syria, which was north of Israel, and then there's Assyria, which was to the east. So now Assyria is beginning to uh, take away land from Israel, and they're taking big chunks, and they leave Israel with this small little piece of land. They also take with them a whole bunch of Israelites into Assyria. That was actually a real common practice, the Assyrians. It was a way that they stopped rebellions. They would just transplant people from different cultures. And so they would take uh, Israelites off to Assyria, and they would transplant other people, which is going to lead to the Samaritan people, okay? So that's coming. That's where we get the Samaritans from. Uh, remember, Jesus spoke to that woman at the well who's a Samaritan, and they were like, hey, we're not supposed to talk. That's not great. Uh, and part of it is because uh, they were intermixed, and that was, that was the issue of the Samaritans. So we'll get into that another time. All right, verse 32. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began became king. We're, and so we're back in Judah. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. However, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed, sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. 
He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Uh, I don't know if you see a trend, but there's a trend about dads. And this would be a great Father's Day message today, but we're, uh, Father's Day not for a, couple, uh, a little while still. So just dads, listen up, because <laughs> you need to hear this. There is a trend here that all these kings do as their fathers did, okay? And their fathers set an example for them. And their fathers had a major impact on how they lived their lives. Now, there are some kings we're going to see Ahaz, who takes over for Jotham, does total wickedness. But there is something to be said for the importance of you, dad, setting a, a righteous and godly example for your sons. And, you know, it's one of those things that um, men usually are a little bit more quiet about their faith. They're a little bit more reserved. And uh, I want to encourage you to have conversations with your kids about what you believe about how important the Lord Jesus is to you and how important it is to follow him and honor him in all things. This is not something that uh, you want to just leave like, oh, they'll figure it out. Uh, because they're going to act just like you. That's basically what's going to happen. And, uh, and I want to just really encourage you to set godly examples for your kids. Notice that, that as these kings, even when they're doing good, the Lord still keeps a record, however... The high places were still not removed. And um, let me ask you about your life for a moment. Are you looking for a however in your story? Or are you looking to, I want to please you, Lord? Now, I recognize that, that we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift from God. But certainly we don't want to take this attitude of, well, God doesn't really care. Because he does care. And, and actually what's kind of seemingly small to us, like, hey, these people were rebellious. They were worshiping up in high places. God kept a record and said, he, he didn't do this. He failed in this area. Um, I don't know about you, but I really don't want to however. I want, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your salvation. I want to please my Lord and Savior uh, on that day. And so I want to just encourage you all with that, that uh, as, we, as we see these kings, that is one lesson we can really learn from them is, one, dads, step up, set that example for your sons and your daughters, um, because you will give them so much confidence and also teach them about holiness and walking with the Lord God. So let me just encourage you with that. And by the way, Men's Retreat is coming up in May, May 13th, 14th, 15th, and it's for men and their sons. So, and one of the reasons why we did that originally was we wanted men to, for sons to be able to be with their dads and be part of Bible studies with their dads and worship with their dads and just have that time to watch dad be dad and also shoot stuff and blow stuff up. Anyway, (laughs) so... And off-road. So, and, and it's funny because uh, I don't even have boys, so I just live vicariously through watching you guys. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, now the, act, the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And yes, they are. Please go check that out. Uh, it's right there in Chronicles, right after uh, what we read about Uzziah. So, you're going to look at uh, 27 for, to read more about him. 
And uh, you can look at that. So Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. And we got time. Verse 16, chapter 16, verse 1. In the 17, okay, I'm just going to tell you, brace yourself. It's going to get bad. All right. So it, it gets bad. Yeah, is this bad? In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, so we're still in Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, his God, and his father, as his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed on burned, uh, and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree." Ahaz was a completely idolatrous and rebellious, blasphemous king. And actually, the sin that he engages in is so terrible and great. We're going to see a little bit why in a moment, why he chose this path. But at the same time, I want you to realize that that this is just atrocious what he does. When it says... That he walked, uh, he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. This is talking about an offering to the God of Molech. You see, the nations that Israel, God had removed from the land of Canaan, if you remember, when God had given this promise to Abraham... And he had told Abraham that I'm going to give you this land. But he said something very specific to Abraham. He said that, that uh, the people's sin has not yet come to full, the fullness yet. They haven't finished sinning. But he knows that this is the direction they're going to go and he's going to judge them for it. And actually that's what God did was he used Israel as judgment on the peoples of the land. And one of the primary reasons was this demon god Molech. Because the people of the land would offer their children as sacrifices to this God. What would they do? Well, they had this statue uh, that they would worship. And they would heat up the fire and it would make the statue really hot. And the statue had these hands that would heat up. And they would take their babies and they would start playing the drums really loud. And they would place their babies on these hot hands and, and then build the fire more and more, and the drums would drown out the screaming of the, the child while they burnt their baby alive. Hey, you know, everybody should be able to worship how they want, right? Man, now you start to understand why God cast the people out of the land. This was a normal practice. In fact, in Leviticus, God specifically speaks about this issue. In chapter 18, verse 21 of Leviticus We're going to go to two different passages. 18 verse 21 says, And you shall not let any of your descendants uh, pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. So this is the first commandment here that he gives about this God of Molech. He says, You shall not let your descendants pass through the fire. You are no longer to offer your children as sacrifices to this God because God is all about being a God of life not a God of sacrifice and death. 
in that way. Verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 2 through 5, Leviticus chapter 20, verses 2 through 5, it says, again, you shall say to the children of Israel, whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from the people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants to Molech and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. God absolutely abhors this sacrifice to this demon God. And, and he will not have any part of it. Now, we have the law given, what God says he will do if, if people continue on this. So what do you think is going to happen to Ahaz? God mean what he says and says what he means? All right. So verse 5. Then Rezin, king of Syria, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to make war. And they besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. At that time, Rezin, king of Syria, captured Elath for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elath. Then the Edomites went to Elath and dwell there to this day. So as a result of this, they lost part of their land. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tilgath-Pelazer, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who rise up against me. And Ahaz took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house and sent it as a present to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria heeded him. For the king of Assyria went up up against Damascus and took it and carried his people captive to Kerr and killed Rezin. So see what God's doing here? He's taking out uh, Damascus. Uh, he's using Assyria to judge Syria. And he's also using this as an opportunity for Ahaz to pay up all the wealth and riches that have been stored up. He's starting to break down Ahaz and his kingdom. Verse 10. Now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tilgath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Urijah the priest to design uh, of the altar and its pattern according to all its workmanship. Then Urijah the priest built an altar according to the, all that the king of Ahaz uh, had sent from Damascus. So Urijah the priest made it before King Ahaz came back from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar and the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. So he burned his burnt offerings and his grain offerings and he poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings on the altar. He also brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord from the front of the temple and from between the new altar and the house of the Lord and put it on the north side of the new altar. Then King Ahaz commanded Urijah the priest saying, On that great new altar, burn the morning burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt sacrifice, and his grain offering with the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering and their drink offerings, and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of the sacrifice. And the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Urijah the priest according to all that king has has commanded. Now, how does God respond when people steal stuff out of his (laughs) 
his, his temple and use it for idolatry? Not well. And King Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts, removed the lavers, lavens, lavers from them, and he took down the sea from the bronze oxen <clears throat> that were under it and put it on a pavement of stones. Also, he removed the Sabbath pavilion, which they had built in the temple, and he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Assyria. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahaz, which he did, are, not writ- are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried with his father in the city of David. Then Hezekiah's sons reigned in his place. Jump over to Second Chronicles, chapter 27, real quick. Or, sorry, chapter 28. And um, go to verse 22. Verse 22. Now, in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. And now, what is his distress? If you read through the whole chapter 28, you'll start to see that uh, because of his sin, God starts chipping away the kingdom. Uh, So, then, uh, this is that King Ahaz, for he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all and of all Israel. So Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God, cut in pieces the articles of the house of God, shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and made for himself altars in every quarter of Jerusalem. So he actually shut down the worship in the temple of God. And in every single city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked anger of the Lord to the God of his fathers. Now the rest of the acts and all his ways from first to last, indeed they are written in the book of the kings of the Judah of, in Israel. So Ahaz rested with his fathers and they buried him in the city of Jerusalem, but they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel. Then as Hezekiah his son reigned in his place. So Ahaz left worshiping all these other gods and it was considered evil and God hated it. Now I want to say this uh, in, as we close tonight. Uh, I know people are prone to say uh, all gods are legitimate and everything gets to the same place and you can worship whatever God you want. But I'll tell you this, the living God, the God of the Bible does not agree with you with that idea. Uh, The living God, the God of the Bible actually says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And certainly everybody has freedom of religion, and they can choose. Obviously, we can't legislate the heart of man. Uh, They can choose what they want to worship, but God does care who they worship. And God absolutely hates idolatry because idolatry leads people to eternal damnation. God doesn't want people worshiping false idols or false gods because God cares about his creation and he cares about life. He's a living God, and he wants his people to live. And so he died for us on a cross so that we might have the hope of salvation, that we might be forgiven of our sin. He rose from the dead that you might have the hope of the resurrection, that you will, in turn, on that day, also be given, take part in the resurrection, that you and I won't just be waste away to nothing. We're not just going to be uh, just disappear into oblivion, but rather we actually have an eternal destiny with our God. That's our God. He's a God of life, and he absolutely despises those 
that worship of false gods. He, he do, does not at all endorse it. So these religions, especially that try to combine all faiths, Unitarianism, Baha'i, all these sorts of things that says, hey, just jump in and join in. And uh, it, just, it doesn't matter. You just keep praying. It's, uh, what matters is being spiritual. That's certainly not true with the God of the Bible, the living God. So I want to encourage you today, if you're in that place where you've come from that mindset, uh, there is only one way for salvation, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's your choice. You get to choose whether to be forgiven of your transgression or your sin and have the hope of eternal life. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this night and we thank you for this time together and we thank you, Lord, for your love. Oh, God, you are so good to us. Not that we deserve it, not that we've earned it. In fact, we've done the very opposite. We deserve judgment. In fact, judgment is our default position, but God, you've come and you've died for us that we might have life. And so, Lord, we have an opportunity of having a new life and being born again, and we thank you for that. And if you're in this room tonight and you're in that place where you never have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you. You pray right now, Lord, thank you for sacrificing yourself for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for my sins. I want to be forgiven. I'm ready to follow you. We just thank you, Lord, that in you we find life and find it abundantly. I pray your blessing now on each and every one in this room. And Lord, may we finish well. May we hear those wonderful words from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for this record and, and your faithfulness through, with your people through generations. And we know, Lord, we can expect you to be faithful with us. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Uh, amidst uh, wicked kings like Ahaz and those of Israel, we start getting some of the most amazing prophecies from God. Isaiah, they're starting to receive the prophecies of the suffering Messiah and, and the living Messiah. In Micah, uh, we read in chapter 6. And by the way, you can read chapters 2 through 7 if you want to catch up with what God is saying to the people. But God says, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousands rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God doesn't want these works of man. He wants you to have a submissive relationship with him. It's pretty awesome, these these wonderful promises of God. So check out Micah this week, and of course you can jump into Isaiah as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may you walk humbly with your God. Amen. Can we turn on the lights?